This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We hear a lot of pitches on this show. I mean, no surprise there. It's the name of the podcast. But the entrepreneurs who come on this show, they're pitching more than just a business idea. They're pitching their dream. Because when you run a small business, you're putting your whole self into it. State Farm gets that. And they work with small business owners across the country to help create personalized plans that are built for their small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. A year and a half ago, a founder came on the show with a business that sounded pretty niche. The founder was Amato Galoy, and he wanted to revolutionize data in the farming industry. To be honest, I wasn't sure the investors would go for it. But it turned out to be a pretty fascinating conversation. What's even more striking, though, is what's happened to Amato since he came on the show. He's had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows happen at the exact same time. And yet, he and his business are still standing. So today, we're going to play you a lightly edited version of Amato's original pitch for Rex Animal Health. Then he and I will catch up in the second half of the show. Okay, let's get started. And he's lovely. Hey. Hi there. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? What do you doing? Good. Um, I'm Into the room has walked Amato Galoy, who's here to ask for $2 million for his company, Rex Animal Health, which is built on a simple theory about the health of livestock. If things were more data-driven, then veterinary care could be better. These days, you can't hear about any startup without someone mentioning data. But when I think of rolling pastures and dairy cows... It doesn't exactly scream tech startup to me. So I'm curious to see if Amato can make a case for why the humble farm is the next frontier for big data. Here's who he needs to convince. Daniel Galati is here with Comcast Ventures, along with Jillian Manis with Structure Capital, Phil Nadell of Forefront Venture Partners, and Charles Hudson with Precursor Ventures. Now... It's all up to Amato to prove Rex is the next big thing in big data. I'm Amato Galoy. I'm the CEO and founder of Rex Animal Health. I'm sorry, what was your first name? Amato. 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 Yes, sir. Amato. Yes, ma'am. Well, nice to meet you. Tell us about Rex. Yeah, so um, uh, one of the things that we're doing at Rex is really we're trying to answer fundamental questions about food sustainability, biosecurity, and food safety, um, especially when it comes to the protein supply chain. All right, here's the thing you need to understand about Amato. He's not your typical entrepreneur. He doesn't have a million business ideas and a passion for startup culture. He's a scientist, specifically a chemist and a physicist, who stumbled onto an idea that turned into a business. And it shows in his pitch. But we do our own primary fundamental research in our labs so that we can find uh, genes that correlate with disease resistance. Um, and I'm proud to say we've actually found some genes after completing a, a few genomes um, in the white-tailed deer and, and looking at the cow. And so we're in the midst of publishing that um, in a peer-reviewed scientific yeah. journal. Um, All right. So here's what Amato is not explaining, at least not in a way anyone is quite understanding. Rex is a tech company that is focused on improving the health of livestock, cows, pigs, chickens, etc., by relying on big data. Our investors are doing their best to follow along, but you can tell they're a little bit lost. Will you explain that, please? 
what is the what is the customer entering into the system? What data are they providing, and what output are they getting? So. I guess to give a little bit background on on what happens during a run through in the barn, basically you have a vet tech or a farmer walk through their barn and there's hundreds, if not thousands of animals. They're checking each and every stall and scoring every single animal on a respiratory score and what's called a scour score, which is basically like a diarrhea score. They input that in on a semi, almost daily basis. And so that that gets to us and we can monitor these scores to see and and they can then look at it to be like is there a trend is is yeah. is the respiratory right. score so raising of the health so, of the life of okay. the animals so google mo- analytics for livestock. right so yeah. they're monitoring <laughs> what you're doing is you're taking these daily scores or almost daily scores that the vet tech is is giving the the herd and then you're standardizing the data you're putting up into the dashboard so you can see it they can see it so all of a sudden you see trends in the scores change and then you can go into action in terms of trying to figure out what's causing that change is yes, that sir. is that accurate yes sir okay well, yes. just make yeah. sure and the action is- as daniel said it's google analytics for livestock rex keeps track of the health of the herd watches for trends and helps farmers and pharmaceutical companies know which drugs are working and which aren't all through the magic of data so I think I'm very dense, okay, on this. Is this to cr- is this to collect and create data sets to be able to inform higher production of protein um, sources, uh, animal protein sources? Yes, ma'am. So, you know, the our, our fundamental goal is really to take this data and develop all these analytics around it so you can you can enhance your yield, whether that's having better quality steak with marbling um, or having targeted dairy, like either high protein dairy for for kind of yogurt applications and cheese applications or high cream dairy for, um, you know, milk and, and ice cream. Um, but also combining that to also better manage disease in the herd, because when you look at uh, animal health in general, we, the United States is one of the most advanced agricultural economies in the world. We still have at least one endemic or epidemic in, in the herd every year. And that grossly affects things to the GDP. If you look in 2015, there was a new emerging virus um, called PED, um, porcine epidemic diarrhea. Never been seen before. It wiped out piglets like that. And, and when you look at kind of how fast bird flu is mutating in all different regions, yes. and, and that's mad huge cow danger. disease. Yes, ma'am. Years ago. Yes, ma'am. Do you remember that? The I mad remember cow disease. Mad cow disease. Right? Amato is starting to speak the investor's language. He's saying livestock farms are businesses. And these health epidemics, mad cow disease or bird flu or whatever, they threaten these businesses. By gathering data on the health of these animals, Rex can reduce the risk of disease, improve the treatment of health problems, and ultimately deliver more of those animals from farm to table. I'll, I'll just give you a, a use case of sure. something that, yeah. that we did. Um, so there were chickens, right? And they had, there was a, a high incidence of really bad bacterial infection that they basically had to kill these, the, these chickens in Turkey. And they were looking at the different drugs. And unfortunately, a lot of these drugs weren't working because these were antibiotic-resistant bacteria. So we took a step back and looked at the data in total. We were like, wait a minute, this population is not really having that, these infections, but this population is. What else was was different? Um, then we kind of realized that the ones that did, the ones that got infection, 
got infection through basically a skin lesion. Um, long story short, we basically found out like it was a genetic effect. And the those chickens that had it, that had that deficiency, were prone to this skin condition, and that's what got infected. I wish we'd started with that. I wish we'd started yes. with the story. Yeah. I wish we'd started with this story. You're it's, sorry. <laughs> totally get it. I, now that's I it. feel like I totally get it. Whew. Don't ever underestimate the power of a story, even if the story has to do with bacterial infections in chickens. How much are you charging for the product? So our so when it comes to our business model, we we do two things, right? So we're a data company, right, that builds data products. So for a livestock producer that only wants to look at their data, they don't care about understanding anyone else's. We actually only charge them um, upfront costs on the server. Which is? We, in, it depends on how much data there is, right? Like, well, it, give me a sort it's, of a it's range. It's basically like $1,000 or, or less. Um, and that's a cost recovery. That's, that's not, there's no margin on that. There's no margin on that. The reason we do that, though, is because when we take in the raw data, our, our contract turns that raw data, any derivative product of that data is ours, and we can do whatever we want with it. Yeah. Now... All that data is really valuable to other verticals in the in the animal health industry, particularly biopharma. They need that data because they don't have it. And that's where we make a lot more of our money because they'll try to get it from the livestock producers. But even when they do get it, they can't make sense of it. And have you, are you working with those guys yes. today? Yes, we're, we're working with some very large pharmaceutical companies. Like for so. us, it was bang for our buck yeah. to go for the biggest players first. Yeah and then kind of trickle down all, all the smaller ones because really data is our currency, right? Okay, and their access is different than the, the, the local farmer's access, right? So it's, they're getting data across the board. Because from, they're paying far more. I mean, right, that's of course. What they They've got to be seven-figure deals. Yeah. That's great. This is like... The wows you're hearing in the room, is it dawning on investors that the two clients Amato is targeting with Rex are farmers and pharma, a.k.a. pharmaceutical companies known for their deep pockets. You don't think they, no. those big companies have data scientists on no. board? That's, that's how we got some of our first customers. I think that's the exit. Literally. How much revenue are you generating currently? Um, so in terms of revenue generated to date, um, about $3 million from when we started. When, when um, for this that? year. Pardon? When when from that? 2015. We've been mostly a bootstrapped company. Okay, so let's talk, you know, quarterly this year. So this year we, how do I put it this way? We, we've we had some stumbles in 2017 and late 2016. So our, our average um, re- revenue um, per month is about 85K to 95K. What have the stumbles been? The stumbles were we had people not paying <laughs> and, and that was kind of, we weren't aggressive enough in trying to make them pay. Um, we we actually did some studies where they never paid us because we were like, well, you never told us to pay you, and it was like, I I thought that was a given. So, well, um, so that brings up a point, you know, sort of. If you're you're the scientist guy, who's who's running the business end of it? Who's right. in charge That's, of yeah. you know collections and doing the invoicing and and, and all that? Yeah. Stuff? So since since that stumble, we've actually hired um, a COO who's who's really the the main business guy. What's his name? His name's Eric. Okay. 
so we 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 did realize like hey i know i'm a scientist i know i'm more the technical guy which is why we brought that in before we were all over the place and that's primarily because um you know as as a very technical scientific ceo like obviously we were we were very intrigued by the science and we kind of got lost in the science now i have that person who whenever one of us gets an idea he'll usually be like amato are we gonna make money off this are we going to make money off of this that is the question the fact that amato knew enough to know that he needed someone else to run the business side of things is a good sign. Investors like to hear someone is thinking about the dollars and cents behind the big idea. But Amato is the one here pitching. And so it's unclear what the biggest priority is, the science of Rex or the business of Rex. One of the things we've realized over the past two years is the United States is not a fertile market for agriculture tech. And that's primarily because the USDA gives so many subsidies that it's still cheaper for an, for a farmer to cull their animals because they're going to be insured. Yeah. Um, we're taking this raise to really focus on the APAC region, particularly uh, Australia, New Zealand, and China. Um, so the reason that is, is because one, China's with its growing population, they also have the growest, biggest growing demand for meat. Australia is one of the leaders in beef, and the largest producer of dairy is, believe it or not, based in New Zealand. No way! Fonterra. They, they produce 35% of dairy in the world, and they sell it a lot to China. So a lot of this is to hire teams based there so that we can really take um, we can take advantage of the opportunity we've been presented is, with because a lot of our advisors... Is enough? I mean, yeah. mar- I was just going to say, <clears throat> country market... Entry strategies tend to tend to be notoriously expensive and slow because you've got to find the people, you've got to build the even if they have the relationships, you've got to get up to speed, and then you've got to have some results. And is is two million dollars enough to get you to results? We already have relationships with some of these really big customers, Mm -hmm. um, and they've already pretty much put in LOIs to say, hey. If you can do this, this is how much we'll pay Mm -hmm. based on the LOIs that LOIs that we have Mm -hmm. should take us to a another level in terms of revenue and then we can raise again in a series A. That's why we've been that's why it's at two million. Okay. Well I've digested a lot. Has everybody? Yes. Uh-huh. I've learned a lot. <laughs> I've learned a lot. So um I like what you're doing. I think it's very interesting. Um I don't have any background in this and so this is challenging for me to sort of wrap my head around. I don't know the space. I don't know the competition. May May I say something? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, go ahead. All right. So, Phil? When it comes to investors, what we're looking for is not people who understand ag or are intimately familiar with that. Oh, we have, perfect. We have, we have ag families that are currently investors, and that's kind of how we've gotten a lot of our early traction. What we're looking for is people who know how to build an enterprise SaaS company, okay. because that's fundamentally the, the what we reason are. I- I was bringing that up. It was uh, not in terms of potential value add, but m- more in terms of sort of coming to my investment decision, right? It's more challenging for me than with some other companies because this is a space about which I'm unfamiliar. And <clears throat> for instance, I don't have a really good handle on the competition. I don't know, you know, I'm taking your word for it and uh, and that's fine. And um but having said that, um, you know, I, I'm really intrigued by what I've heard and the progress that you've made. And uh, I'd like to invest uh, 250000 Oh, 
Awesome. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah neither so, did I. I'm in. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think it has huge potential. Thank you. Anyone else care to join me? So, um, by the way, I, I think it's actually a great deal in terms of the two on eight. Yeah. Um, I think it's an awesome deal. Yeah. Uh, you, I think to get comfortable with this investment or for me to get comfortable with this investment, I've got to believe in the um, scientific innovation here, essentially. <laughs> and I, that's the bit that I just, I would just need to educate myself on. So um, I'm a, I'm a like neither yes or a no. I, I, I'd love to like uh, diligence this further. Of course. If, if, if you're up for it. Oh, yeah. I mean. Um, but, it, uh, and I will say if, if we're a yes, then I think we'll want to do, we'll want to own 10% of the, the company. Okay. Um, or more. So Daniel's not ready to take a model's word for it on the science. And so he's a solid maybe. Julian. I'm so confused. Um, I'm confusing myself because I keep going back and forth and back and forth. So I actually do know a little about genomics. I do very, very little. And, and, uh, and I put that into a thimble. But it's an area that I'm very, I'm fascinating with. And I also like the fact that you were like, you know what? I don't know the business side. Yeah. Money is going is being left on the table. Yeah. I have to figure out what makes sense to. Cr- I like the fact that you were developing and developing products that would make money. And there are a lot of scientists that are like, you know, forget that. You know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Um, and um, so I like the fact that you have that business sense, even if you don't have the business intelligence around it. But you did hire Eric to do that. Um, I, I want to commit to this round, okay? Um, I'm going to say just of my personal money, all right? I'm going to commit 100000 So Jillian is throwing her hat into the ring as well with a $100,000 personal investment. That's three hundred and fifty k already. So what does Charles have to say? Uh, I have a really good feeling about you. I think you understand your customer and like their pain points. You know, our model at Precursor is really to bet on people first. And I just have a really good sense that you really understand what you're building and you really understand your customers' pain points. And that's rare to find. So I would like to invest um, a small amount in the company, which to me would be below $100,000. Fine. Um, I don't know exactly how much, but I would love the opportunity to get to know you better and understand the business better and see if I can be value-add. Okay. Okay, I'll take your money. After racking up three yeses and one strong maybe, Amato looks pretty pleased. Okay, fantastic. Okay, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. Awesome, man. Thank, thank, you. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you. After Amato walks out of the room, investors dig in to why this deal seemed like a no-brainer. You know, you know it's throwing us. Just writing checks, Run just checks. don't yeah. I have to say that if... I really uh, liked him. Yeah. yeah. If what he is communicating is true, then it's and I have no great. doubt that it is, then it's, it's huge. huge. That's like insane. huge. And huge. by the way, it's a great I would, too. and that's another as an investor would be to talk to him about, about the exit of this, because I think that he is going to get to a point where people are going to want to buy this. And 
But at a 10 post, like... Yeah. This you could see a very clear path. Completely, but completely. But I'm okay with that. If he gets if he gets a 10x exit in 18 months, yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. That's a that's a hot. That's a sad. I'll take that all day. I could see, yeah. And I'll tell you, I would not have said yes if he hadn't hired Eric already. Yes, I agree. Because you you made that point, and I think it's very important. I mean, he acknowledges he's a scientist, right? He's not the guy to run the business. Yes. And when he said he was having problems, okay. He did something to rectify it. When we come back, a year and a half has gone by. And in that time, a ton has happened to Amato and his company, including, it turns out, one of the scariest moments of his entire life. That's after the break. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. As rewarding as it may be, small business owners have a lot riding on their shoulders. It's a lot of stress to own, run, and grow your small business, not to mention finding someone who can give you the answers and support you need. But State Farm agents aren't just there to understand your small business needs, they're there to prioritize them and help create personalized plans with your needs in mind. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back to the show. A few weeks ago, I sat down with Amato to catch up on all things Rex. Well, hey, Amato. Hi. Welcome back. I know. It's nice to be back. Now, do you remember when you first came on our show? Uh, You mean when I flew in on the red eye, barely had any sleep, and then it was like, all right, time to pitch. You mean that? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, very vividly. Very vividly still. And then after everyone left the room, where Amato nabbed commitments from three of the investors and a maybe from the fourth, things started to play out differently. Jillian and Daniel, they dropped out during due diligence. And Amato said that the reason was simply that they didn't understand the market well enough to invest. But on the bright side, during that time, um, Charles increased the amount from that initial. um, Yeah, on the show, he said he was going to invest something less than 100K. Yeah, he ended up doing 250. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Yes. um, So it it was really good. So Charles came through in a big way. But then with Phil, well, that didn't work out. Their communications fell off, and Amato says he's to blame for not staying in touch. I'll admit it was my fault. I wasn't kind of pushing hard on everything as I should have. I wasn't keeping on top of everything. 2018 was very hard um, 
from an operational standpoint, from a morale standpoint, from even a physical well-being standpoint. And it was Why? near I almost died last year. Um what happened? And, uh, so late last year, so remember how I, I sort of said it was my fault, kind of not keeping up on everything. Mm-hmm. Um and I like in November, um I actually got a really bad infection. I had sepsis and uh, I went to the ER and they were like, okay, you need to be admitted right now. Um, and oh then I was there uh, and and the doctor was like, you have about a 30% chance of dying right now just because it it's it's at a certain oh stage. Gosh. You're starting, you know, starting to show signs of, of organ failure, um, things like that. And I was like, okay. Um, what was really uh, hard was okay. <laughs> uh, well, it it was a very surreal experience, right? And so I was in and out of the hospital November till the end of the year. Um, and what was most difficult was like, how do I tell my parents? I lied to them first and and kind of said it wasn't as bad. Why did you do that? I just didn't want them to worry because I didn't want to worry. I was actually thinking, you know, it can't be this bad. I still have a company to run. I still have things that I need to do. Who's going to take care of my dog? Right. Um, and, and people you know, need me. I can't die. I'm not going to die. Yeah. I mean, right. Like I am, I am in my early thirties. Like you still have very much this, you know, I am invincible, like kind of golden eye Boris thing going mm-hmm. on. Um, but when it actually hits you, right. And you're like, no, this is real. My body really feels like crap right now. Um, and they said, this is going to be a long recovery. I was really scared that with me not being there pretty much physically for two months, um, mm. I thought like, oh shit, we're, we're going to die. Like not, I'm not going to have anything to come back to, uh, but you thought the company would fall apart. Yeah. And so imagine being on a forced two month vacation because you're in a hospital, right? <laughs> And everybody just sort of being like, you cannot think of anything that'll stress you out. Like your body cannot handle this right now. Um, and so I was just like, all right, guys, tell me if shit goes wrong. Um, you know, and I was, I literally had my laptop with me in the hospital the entire time. I was like looking for emails of like, oh no, things are going wrong. And I didn't get any. Um, those emails never ca- came. Yeah, those emails never came. And, and when I came out, it was like, how's everything going? They're like, we're okay. You might want to go on vacation and relax. And I was and, and you looked at the numbers and the customers and everything and, and everything really was okay. Yeah, everything was fine. And that was when I realized, like, holy crap, I am replaceable. Mm-hmm. And I have never felt happier. Right? <laughs> because it means I've done my job correctly. The instant I think you are replaceable as a CEO, you've done your job as a CEO and founder. What does that feel like? It was it was it was a huge like sigh of relief. It was like I don't have to worry about everything. Yeah. And and that's when I was able to actually be like, okay, I can take a breather now. I can, you know, actually go home and not think about stuff. I can put off emails till the next day. I don't have to be constantly <laughs> checking my phone. What a luxury. <laughs> Putting um, off emails the next day. <laughs> it really is, right? Like you you know, you think yeah. you have it you you have to be on all the time and when you realize you don't i remember talking with one of our investors you know when i got out of the hospital i was like this is amazing 
I don't, you know, I don't have to worry about everything. I just continue to have to do my job, and which is basically making sure that they have everything they need to do their jobs. Yeah. And we're good. But with all that, people have been really supportive. I'm like, look, dude, slow down. Like, it's going to be here. Um, you don't need to be yeah, scrambling dude, all over down. the place. <laughs> yeah. Um, and don't take it so seriously, right? Like, um, if if anything, I've become a bit more cheeky just because it's like I've looked death in the eye and kind of said, F you, I'm still going to be here. Yeah. So 2018 was a hard year, but you'd never know that from the outside. Amato says the company has basically doubled its revenue year over year. And now there are 266 million animals being tracked on the platform. And part of Amato's success came from a few listeners who tuned in to his original episode. You know what's funny? I actually got uh, some leads um, from the episode. Oh, uh, yeah? Yes, from, from, you know, people in New Zealand and Southeast Asia. And they said, we heard you on the pitch. And I was like, what? Like, it was It was bizarre. Did any of those people that reached out because of the show, did any of that turn into business deals for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the the comment afterwards is whenever we do end up meeting in person, uh, they're always like, you're not as nerdy as as you were on, on the show. <laughs> um, to which I say like, yeah, you know, I'm not, but... I explained, I was like, I had 15 minutes of sleep when I did that. So I can guarantee you, I know the science even in my sleep because that was really how yeah. uh, we were then. How How is that? Because, I, you know, we've characterized you as kind of the mad scientist built a business. Mm-hmm. That was the narrative of the episode. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> Would, do you disagree with that? No, 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 no. Like, I laughed my ass off when I eventually heard the episode. I was like, am I really that nerdy? And then my friend said, yes, you are. And I was like, okay, that's that's legit. So then you had told me something. You're like, we've had people approaching us wanting to buy our company. Mm-hmm. And we haven't said yes yet, but we might. So... Uh, I mean, we've we've had a lot of acquisition discussions. Um, so are this, these like your customers interested in buying you, like big meat companies, meat packing companies? Or? Yeah, so whenever we do deal with a really big enterprise, there's always that question, which is something I've had to get used to, where they're like, are you open to acquisition? Which is huh. always very flattering. I mean, what do you say on the spot? I just say, of course we are. And we'll just sort of use that as part of the funnel because, I mean, we're learning about them as they're learning about us anyway. And then we we get to see into their strategy where we sort of fit um, and where they want to do things. And then we can kind of continue the conversation there. But it, I just sort of look at it like fundraising as in, you know, what is the goal of every startup? It's either to become one of these companies or to get bought by one of these companies. Right. In the end, this is why we're doing it. This is why we have investors in the first place, so they can get a return. How many uh, people do you think you've said, yes, we're open to acquisition to? So, <laughs> um, we've been like How asked, many suitors are there <laughs> looking to buy Rex? About half a dozen right now. What? Yeah. And I mean, you came on the show 
end of 2017. Here we are in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, have these conversations been going the entire time? Mm-hmm. So you're just playing, you're playing the long game. You're just like, if people are interested in us now and throwing, you know, $50 million at us or $100 million, if we just keep going, keep growing, they're going to be willing to throw double, triple that our way down the line. Uh, um, that That is our hope. Any of these offers to buy the company that have come through, have any of them been big enough to make you seriously consider them? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, there, there has been a lot of hesitation on, on, on my part. Um, Why? Well, it's just sort of right. Like it, these are life changing amounts of capital um, that could be set me and, and my family for life. Right. Yeah. Like move uh, to Aruba. Yeah. Bring your right? whole family. Um, never work a day in your life. Another day. But, but I also kind of look at it as I know myself. Um, I am my parents' son. They are workaholics and I'm a workaholic. And I always kind of think like, what would I do if I, if, if I had all this? And the answer is always like, I'd still probably work. Oh, yeah. It gets boring as hell after a couple of weeks. Right? <laughs> You're like, damn it. If I have to see another sunrise on this beautiful ocean, I'm going <laughs> to... Well, I I don't think it would it would go to that level, but you know I think for me it's like there's still so much I want to accomplish. There's still so much that I want to do that it doesn't yet make sense to kind of close this chapter of my life, right? Like the story right. is still being written. Let's see when there's an appropriate time to maybe you know move on to the next chapter. So. You know, as long as we don't screw up so much, the suitors will still be there. And I think for us, hopefully it's not an if, it's a when. Yep. The wave is still cresting. Let's ride it for longer. Yeah, exactly. I like imagining Amato riding this startup wave because it's actually the backstory to many of the big exits you've heard of. The founder just keeps saying no. I'm gonna keep going a little while longer until they get an offer they can't refuse or they get tired of running the business and for the first time start to wonder, hey, maybe I am ready to be done. And then they agree to sell and surf that wave off into the sunset. Our show is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, produced by Heather Rogers, Kareem Maddox, and Molly Donahue. We are edited by Blythe Terrell, with editing help on this episode from Devin Taylor. Theme music by The Muse Maker, original compositions from Breakmaster Cylinder, Bobby Lord, Haley Shaw, and The Muse Maker. We're mixed by Enoch Kim. Lisa Muccio planned the recording of this pitch. And here's a quick reminder that no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. Be sure to follow the pitch on Spotify or find new episodes wherever you listen. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet. We're hard at work on the next season of the show, which is coming up in just a few weeks on August 7th. 
See you then. This episode of The Pitch was brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you've been listening to our show for a while, you can tell every business owner has a unique set of problems to solve. That's why small business owners want someone to not only understand, but prioritize their needs. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know how to help you choose personalized plans to fit your needs and budget. They get it, plain and simple. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.